Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. All right. What is up, guys? I am pumped. This is right in the midst of the COVID pandemic. This will be going live here March 9th. We're recording this two days before. April 9th. Uh, April 9th. Yes. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I haven't introduced him yet, but um, already keep me on track. And uh, yeah, so what we're going to do from a podcast perspective is basically the next however many episodes until we kind of get to a more normal state, we will be having our entire podcast focused on the, the COVID pandemic and how investors are dealing with it in all sorts of their, their business. And so the first person I have on here I chose for a reason, and that was of all my interactions with, with literally, I don't know, probably hundreds or maybe even thousands of people over the last month, one person leapt to me as, I guess, just felt like had their head around this, had their head around straight on moving forward and, and as opposed to being in fear or just reactive. And uh, I thought, man, let's have him on, on the show. So Michael Manthe, thanks so much for joining. Yeah, happy to, man. No, honored to be here. Appreciate that. Uh, and Michael, you've been on our show before. Uh, I mean, by, guess, by quick way of intro for you, you manage both a set of properties in central Pennsylvania. I know you also are a part of a syndication team that has a, a project in Texas and maybe a couple other deals. Yeah, so my wife and I started buying seven years ago. We uh, hit that point of the financial freedom, passive income exceeding our monthly expenses. Uh, Reevaluated, decided, hey, this would be a lot more fun with people. Started our syndication business. So we exclusively do syndication deals now. So we have a few locally, some that are not local in PA. We have a apartment complex, a 200 unit apartment complex in Dallas, Fort Worth, a mobile home asset out near Charlotte, North Carolina. It's a whole lot more fulfilling to do this with, with other people. It was a lot of fun making making all the money, just my wife and I. But uh, life's about a lot more than just the numbers in the bank account. So it's been a lot of fun. It's awesome, man. So, I mean, I love how it's, 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 it's across a couple different states. So you're seeing different regions. You've got, you know, some smaller deals, one, two unit type local things, and also, you know, larger multifamily and other assets. So really good kind of broad perspective. So why don't we start off here, I guess, before I get into even the real estate side of things, uh, I mean, this is going to sound like a crazy question, but what do you, how do you even get your head around this? I mean, what is your perspective of what's happening? How do you even, how do you even think about it, this, this whole pandemic? Yeah, it's crazy. You know, nobody alive has ever lived through anything like this. I mean, it's completely unprecedented. Any of the, you know, the past depressions, recessions that I've studied, you know, things typically, you know, they, they crest and sometimes there's a drop, but you know, it starts going down as opposed to, man, somebody just shut off the faucet uh, on the economy and everything is just to a stop at 8 p.m. tonight is, is basically what happened here. So it's completely brand new, which, 
you know, uncertainty causes fear for people. It's just what it is. Uh, I think those of us who have learned to cope in the midst of uncertainty, you know, I think entrepreneurs are probably wired more that way than a lot of people. But, you know, the uncertainty is never comfortable. That's for sure. You know, you got people hoarding things, you know, you go to the grocery store and you can't get toilet paper. You, you can't get many things. I mean, they're keeping it as stocked as they can, but you know, disruptions in the supply chain mean you can't get your favorite, you know, whatever, when you go to the store. And, you know, I have friends that are preppers that are, they were waiting for the end of the world and stocking up on. They're pumped right now. Right? Yeah. They're, they're doing just fine. And some of that made sense. You know, you, you get some guns and you get some, you know, ammo and you get some gold and silver and all that stuff. And I was like, yeah, it probably makes sense. But then now that we're in, like that was thinking about it beforehand, but I find myself now that we're in it, like I've literally sent a letter to all of our tenants, all of our investors, our, you know, our public education group, and basically said, hey, if anybody needs food, if you need toilet paper, like if you need something, tell me, like, well, you know, we've delivered stuff to people. So as much as this time wants to make us lock up and like batten down the hatches and all that stuff. At the end of the day, I think it's a time to show our humanity, show our love for each other, show our support, show the depth of character that we've developed and be there for each other. While at the same time, you know, there's people that are massively affected. My, you know, we're waiting on a couple tax returns and my CPA calls and says, Hey, my dad just got the virus. He's in the hospital. I can't concentrate. You know, everything's on hold. So, you know, people are having real effect from this, but it's like you said, to lock up in fear is never a helpful response. You know, some people have that reaction and, you know, if that's you out there, then this is a wake up call to say, Hey, you know, probably some more emotional development to be done. And I'll, I'll just chime in here. So from my own perspective, I've been very quiet about this. I think the first, so first off, in all transparency, I'm married to someone, Ashley, who got her PhD in public health management. So this is like her Super Bowl, not to, uh, not, obviously not in a good way, but, you know, she bought three weeks of groceries for us probably a month ago. Mm-hmm. I was in self-denial. So I told her she's crazy. This is not going to be that bad. It's just the flu. So I was very much in that camp, denial, denial, denial. And then I'll be honest, for about a week, I, w- I just didn't know what to do. I, w- I don't know if struggling with fear is the right word, but I could not get my head around what was happening. We were making a lot of decisions and, and hopefully some good decisions came out of that, but we were very just, and I think a lot of people were like this. And so I think there are like stages of this everyone goes through. And I think you're right. I think the faster you can get to the stage of moving forward, and planning and acting as opposed to just watching the news and kind of whipsawing around. I personally find that as soon as I moved towards action and dealing with this and making decisions, I started feeling a heck of a lot better. Even though there was was still uncertainty, it felt like I was able to at least control my my world and, and what I did to whatever degree I could. Whereas when I was kind of in denial and then just didn't know what to do and kind of starstruck. That was, that was really bad. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if you've felt similar or, or you, maybe you just worked through that fast and uh, 
went right into what do we do? How do we help people? Yeah, you know, for me, I'm in a little bit of a different situation for you guys. You know, you have a big company, a lot of employees. You had, uh, you know, socially distanced. For me, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now. I'm the only one here. So I kept coming to work and kind of, I think, probably stayed in that action mode, which, like you said, was helpful. I mean, you can get inside real quick. And if it's... Yeah, we had some logistics to deal with that I think took us about two weeks and I think now the logistics are kind of in place and, and, and good, but it's, it's tricky. Um, you know, t- to your point, just as an example, we have nine offices, 100 employees, and uh, making sure all of them are in the right place and are all set up right yeah. took some work. Um, so, okay, so you, you talked about writing a letter to your tenants. What did that letter even say? Like, I have it right here. When you said you might ask me about that, I printed it out. So we just put on letterhead. I'll just pull out a couple spots. I mean, basically, you know, it's a week of changes for everyone. We hope you're all doing. And just to, just real quick, so people yeah. have context. This is like two yeah. weeks ago, right? Uh, March 21st. Yep. So two weeks ago. Yeah, this is well before the, the first, you know, there was the thought process. Do you address it? Are people going to take advantage of it? Um, and this is to our, you know, our tenants, our local tenants. You know, we have maybe 70, 70 folks. And it's like, okay. Uh, it's a little bit before all the conversation. I mean, now we're, you know, two weeks later, you know, some of the eviction conversation is more pronounced, but we're like, you know what, let's get ahead of it. The big thing in the letter for me, you know, we go into, uh, Hey, you know, businesses are closed. People are out of work. If you need food, toilet paper, other essentials, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And Chad, you know how I kind of do the property management is, seems to be a little bit unique from what's out there. You know, I said, we care about you and your family's well-being, and we're willing to help where we can. Our office is closed for the social distancing, but if you need us, we're available. And I said, if you expect to have difficulty paying either April or May's rent, we need you to let us know as soon as possible to work out a solution or payment plan. Uh, we'll do our best to work with you, but we need to hear from you ahead of time. So, to me, I wanted it on record that it was their responsibility to let me know. You know, don't wait until April 7th and say, hey, I lost my job three weeks ago and I can't pay rent. Yep. We're here to work with you, but at the same time, it's your responsibility to, to reach out to us. Yeah, I, I like how you worded that. Uh, we, we took a lot of uh, painstaking time to think through how do you communicate in a way that says, we still expect you to pay rent but we want to work with you in right. lots of ways of saying that. And you gotta be really careful. Okay. So, so that's what you said. What was the response to that? So 70 tenants got that. How many reached out to you? Well, in any way? Just finish up, you know, at the end, you know, we said, even though we're okay. technically only your property managers, we truly care for each of you and your loved ones. Yeah. You know, we pray you're kept safe and peace blessed despite the current events, you know, from our family to yours. So sent that out. Uh, we emailed it to the ones that had email. We mailed it to the ones that didn't. Right away, heard from a couple people. And all in all, you know, I started, a, we, you and I talked about this, starting a spreadsheet to record and, you know, the difference in scale between the two companies. But basically, most people have said, hey, I can pay such and such an amount you know, usually they don't start with that. Usually they'll say, hey, I expect to have trouble. I lost my job. I should be able to come up with something, but, you know, I'm going to need to wait for unemployment. The other big piece of this is I wanted to use my creativity to help our tenants. 
the population in general isn't real creative in problem solving. Most people like to focus on the the issue, the problem, and it kind of stops them. Where as entrepreneurs, we have to we have to train ourselves to be solution oriented. Look for the creative the creative solution in every issue. So I knew that's one of my gifts, and. For our tenants, I don't know how common that is. So I wanted to be able to use our resources to be able to say, hey, you know, don't just say, I lost my job, I can't pay rent. It's like, okay, so how can we find a solution here? Have you done unemployment? Have you reached out to community aid programs? What can you do? So I like to get, I like to get real numbers and real dates to be able to say, to be able to record. You know, if somebody says, I can't pay on the first, you know, I had one girl who said, uh, you know, lost my job. She right away went and got a new, she lost her job for a PPL contractor, right away went and got a job for Lancaster Labs because they're, you know, doing research on all this stuff. So proactive, but she said, you know, I'm not going to get paid till April 10th. So I was like, yeah, no problem. Um, she just texted me a little bit ago. She says, hey, there's a late fee on my account. If you take that off, I'll pay on Friday, like I said. Like, yeah, relax. <laughs> the system did that automatically. I'll take it off. And she's like, awesome. You're the best. So, you know, that was mostly the conversation where people just needed some, some creativity. And also, you know, I had a couple people that it felt like, you know, oh, it would be an economic hardship for me to pay April's rent. And it just felt like this may not be that PC, but it just felt like um, using a current term to get out of a responsibility. Yeah, an excuse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, total excuse. It's like one of the cases it's who's used that phrase. It's like, okay, brother, your your dad co-signed, and I know his balance sheet. If I need to reach out to your co-signer, aka dad, I will. <laughs> so just kind of putting it back on them. Another guy just saying, hey, I lost my job, I can't pay. It's like it's your responsibility to come up with a solution. I'm here to help you, but. It's not my responsibility to come up with a solution. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I there's so much I, I've been taking notes here. I've been talking, I, and one reason why I love talking is I always uh, always get insights. I can even help our own team. One is like just being solution oriented. I think that's like just so great. One thing I found is just, I mean, there's just so much confusion out there, right? I was talking to my own dad who has like a really fun job. He does tours of the Amish village area. He loves it. He used to be a history teacher. I mean, he'd probably do it for free. They, they pay in, it keeps him doing stuff. And you know, they don't have any tours. Like they're, you know, they're shut down like everybody else's. Yeah. And so, you know, he, I don't know, in his life, he's never filed unemployment before. He right. was a school teacher. And, and so he, you know, he called up the owner and said, hey, uh, like, are you going to be mad if I file unemployment? You know, and that's someone who, look, my, my dad has a lot of experience in this world. He's on a lot of crazy things. Even he had, didn't even know how to file unemployment. He'd never done it before. Didn't know what to expect. So I think, I mean, a lot of this is just helping someone through the steps of what to do. And I love how you said real dates. We are we have the same approach, which is, okay, you lost your job. You're going to file unemployment. Did you file? Right. If you didn't, like, when are you filing? You filing today? Yeah. And then if online. we know they don't try to call online, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then like, because if we know that, if I know when they filed, I pretty well know when they'll get their first check, right? Yeah. Two to four weeks out, roughly. Yeah. And so I told our team, like, once you know when they filed, 
if they truly have no money until then, great. Then in two weeks, let's re-engage, right? Like there's no point in re-engaging in three days because it kind of told us we need to know. But in two weeks, we should be re-engaging. Hey, your, your first unemployment check came in. So I love that. I also, I do want to just highlight, I love how you expressed you care for them. I'm not at all surprised that you said that. I know you do care for all your tenants, which is uh, not the norm, but I, but I love that. And I think that that just says a lot about you and, and kind of how you run an operation. Here's a rough question. So you're sitting here about a week into the month. Yeah. Kind of compared to your normal rent collection, how's this month look? Is it, is it pretty normal or is it a little bit under? Or I mean, it's fairly normal. I would, it's definitely a little bit under. It definitely is. I'm trying to think if there's any, I don't think there's any issues that I wasn't aware of. Like the places where we're under, we, I have an expectation that they're going to, they're going to come through probably 95% of them in the next week kind of a thing. Before the stimulus checks even hit, which is interesting, right? Cause that's coming yeah. again in probably two weeks as almost another check. Right. I think April is, you know, they're pumping so much money into Main Street. If everything comes through with that, and if the tenants are doing their part for both, you know, the stimulus, as long as they've been, you know, putting in uh, their tax returns, that should be automatic. Unless they don't have automatic deposit, then the paper checks could be out to August. Right. But the unemployment, there's enough cash coming in. Everything should work out if we can make it through this bump. But the ones that don't, get connected to those funds, I think we're going to see it more in May than we will in April. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, we, we were pulling some numbers for our own private management company, and I haven't publicly stated these numbers yet, but we are about 1.5% under, about a weekend, about 1.5% under what we would normally expect to see, which, to be honest, that's a win, I, I think. Uh, you know, I mean, it's almost a blip on the radar, and basically, I mean, you know, we're trending right along in kind of normal month. And again, those stimulus checks haven't even hit yet. Our expectation as a company, and, and we'll see if this happens. I haven't really said this publicly yet, but we actually think we may see more rent in April than we did in March, because we think if we do this right and truly engage properly with tenants, there's some tenants who have back balances, all this money hitting the system, 100% unemployment checks in a stimulus check, we can actually catch some people up yeah. who... Um, and we'll see if that happens. Obviously, it hasn't happened yet. But, uh, you know, I, I think I told, I told a few investors some of those numbers and people were like shocked. I think we definitely had some investors who were just expecting absolutely the worst, thought like nobody's going to pay rent. Right. And, and, and the reality is there's a lot of money hitting the system. Obviously, the, the CARE Act helped a ton. Let's segue into the CARE Act. So you say you did a lot of research on it. I know you're telling me you watched a bunch of... Uh, some free, some you paid for, yeah. you know, are there a few things you learned that maybe you feel like aren't being well explained by the media? I feel like it's been very poorly explained. And part of it is because typically the, the types of personalities that are going to sit down and read the 900 page document are not the type that you necessarily want to explain it to you. So, <laughs> right. you know, it took me like three or four webinars to even for the pieces to start to like make sense. And I'm sure every person in the webinar thought that their webinar made sense and maybe it did to them. But I know for me, it took me time and time again, hearing the same thing. 
So, you know, it's the difference between content and context. Like, don't come at me with a million pieces of data. I need to know as a business owner, investor, what affects me. And then I care about what the details are. But to just hit me with a bunch of details, you know, doesn't work for, for anyone. So we talked a little bit. I did a call yesterday with our investors and... Basically, there's two main programs. I mean, on the on the grassroots level for the tenants, you know, the stimulus check is going to be the big one. Um, unemployment, you probably saw that the federal government, well, a couple of things. For the first time, self-employed, independent contractors are eligible for unemployment, where normally it's just W-2s. So that's a big deal. Then the federal government is going to add $600 a week on top of the state's unemployment. So that's massive. I mean, for some of our tenants, they're going to make more money than they've ever made in their life. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've been saying this, that for our, our average tenant is going to make more in April than they have in March. Yeah. Like, not by a couple hundred dollars, like by a significant amount of money, yeah. uh, which, which, which is, I guess, good. I don't know uh, whether it's good or bad. They're gonna, but They're going to spend it. <laughs> right. They're not going to save it, right? So they're going to get the economy moving again. Right. Okay. And then, so as an investor, what are the parts of this that, that an investor needs to know that maybe aren't being well kind of talked about? So to me, there's two programs that I've focused on and I don't, you know, these things, we can get into the weeds real quick on them. I'm not sure that's what we want to do, but the first one is the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. And let me just Give the disclaimer, I'm not a CPA, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a banker. There's no letters behind my name that qualifies me to give any advice. But some of my thoughts for discussion are uh, the PPP, if anybody has employees, that's the no-brainer program uh, that they should go ahead and apply for. Even if you're a self-employed and you take draws from your company, you absolutely should apply for that. You have to do it through a bank. So you have to do it through an SBA approved bank, which basically all of them are because they just let a new wave of them come in. So talk to your commercial banker about the PPP program. It's 100% forgivable if used the correct way. So it turns into a complete grant, free money to help you through this time. The big emphasis is on retaining employees. So at least 75% of the amount that you get has to be paid to your employees, but up to 25% can be used for some operational expenses, lease, interest on mortgages, utilities, things like that. So no brainer if you have an employees or if you pay yourself and you don't even have to do it as an employee. If you are a 1099 subcontractor and you take regular draws from your company to survive, as I understand it, they will treat you as an employee and basically give you two and a half months salary to pay yourself or your employees. And if used correctly, uh, it's 100% forgivable. One thing that uh, only one of the webinars, and this was one I paid for, said, and I think this is brilliant, you're going to have to document all of where this, where these funds go to get them forgiven. It's these are real loan programs. They're not going to want to make it to places that can't pay it back. So, and you need to document, especially where the money goes to. So the best idea I heard is open a separate checking account at the institution that helps you get this loan, 
disperse the proceeds of the loan into that separate account and then only pay for qualified expenses out of that account. Use your other business account for things that don't qualify for the forgiveness and just keep it cut and dry, keep all your receipts and all that. But that's to be 100% forgivable. It's an incredible, incredible program. Um, they just opened application for that on Friday for businesses, sole proprietors. I'll just chime in here really quick on that program. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're about 30 hours of research into it as well. It, obviously, it impacted our prime management company dramatically. I won't get into the nitty gritty of the, the details. People can feel free to reach out to me if they want to have that dialogue. I would say the one thing I learned that has been really interesting is in this world right now, big banks are actually not the place to go. We have relationships with lots of different people, and this is nothing against big banks. We have a lot of relationships with them, and they've actually done a lot of good things for us over the years. But our sweet spot was actually like that like small to mid-sized bank. Yep. The, the real small banks couldn't also get their head around this. Yeah. Uh, you know, the really small credit unions of the world, that wasn't the right, the right fit. The really big banks just had like 40,000 apps hitting them and it was yeah. just a tidal wave. Yeah. The, the sweet spot was that like mid-tier bank where we could actually go to like a VP at the bank. We still mattered. I, I will for anyone looking to try to figure out how to navigate this, if you know, if you have a relationship with a bank and as an investor, a lot of times you do. These are, you know, regional banks um, not the top 10 largest banks in the country. They have enough scale that they still have a small business division and therefore they have a program that kind of acts this way. I mean, we, we got our loan approved by the SBA by uh, Monday morning. It was already approved. That's so we, we, uh, application submitted Friday, approved Monday by the SBA. And what's crazy is some of these big banks, Monday afternoon, they were just starting to take yeah. applications. No. You know, if time is of the essence, or even just having someone you can get, you know, back and forth dialogue with. No. I mean, this was so important. We were, I mean, we were texting with our banker back and forth. You know, there is some concern of what happens when the money runs out and, and this and that. And I, look, I have no, I, I, I would assume these things will be funded. Uh, if it goes over the, the, the mark, but, but who knows? We've never had this happen before. So anyway, so for what's worth, I, I would just, my two cents, I would, I would recommend reaching out to, uh, you know, that mid-sized bank who you have a relationship with. Yep. They'll help you a ton. Okay, so, and then talk me through the other. You said two, that's one. Yeah, so the other one is the EIDL loan, the E-I-D-L through the SBA.gov um, website. So the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. And that's one that... In, in my opinion, I don't know why anyone affected by this wouldn't apply for this for every one of their entities that would be affected. Um, I've applied for five or six different entities that, that we own and control. It's directly through the SBA website. The form is very easy. You're gonna read on there that they estimate it takes like two hours and 20 minutes. I did my last one uh, in the last couple of days. I think it took me 15 minutes. So depending on what your records are, it's, it's not hard at all. Now, a little, again, a disclaimer, you know, this is not the time to lie to the government and try to get free money. Uh, this, these are programs. When is the time to lie to the government, Michael? Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't ever found that time. Uh, this is definitely not it. This is serious stuff. You can go to prison for falsifying information and, and doing things that, that aren't kosher. So, you know, these are programs for people that have been in, impacted or the phrase that is in all these docs is the current economic uncertainty. Well, I don't know anybody that isn't in an 
uncertain time uh, yeah. economically wise. So when this thing breaks mid to late March, when everybody's already paid March rent, it's like, have I been affected? Well, not really, but the uncertainty, the outlook has definitely been affected. And you know, through this application and on the, on the call that I did, I actually did a screen share and walked through the application just so people, you know, you, you demystified. It's, it's very, very simple. You look at your income for the past 12 years. You look at your cost of goods um, for the last 12 years, your income for the last 12 months, uh, your cost of goods sold the last 12 months. I just, you know, as a real estate investor, I took my expenses. So you put those in, you don't ask for a loan amount. You basically give your income, you give your expenses. There is a line item, which I was very encouraged by that says expected uh, rental income loss. So they're already thinking about us real estate investors being being impacted by this. And as of today, that's a zero. But I thought through for each entity, I thought through the properties that that entity owned, any current vacancies that I had, anybody that had talked to me about, hey, you know, things might be late. And I thought, you know, if there's more than normal attrition on tenants and rent collections, I estimated an amount over the next three, four months that I thought could be impacted. So each webinar that I watched said, go ahead and get your applications in, estimate what the damage is gonna be and apply. Because like you said, these programs have limited funding. I mean, to think about 2.2 trillion getting released into the economy sounds like a big number, but there's a lot of hungry mouths out there where that's gonna get gobbled up. So. You don't apply for an amount, you give your income expense, what the loss is that you expect for rental income. And then as you go through the application, the next page, there's a little box that you wanna check. It says, I wanna be considered for a $10,000 advance. That $10,000 advance, it's supposed to get to you in three days. That is, if you, you know, are researching this stuff, they're all saying, you know, this is a emergency cash into business owners' hands. Well, it's been more than three days that I've did the ones from last week. You know, it probably means once the SBA gets around to looking at it, you know, they'll send the money in three days. It'll take another couple of days to hit your account. But you want to click that box and put in your bank account information for them to direct deposit it. Because even if you're not approved for the rest of the loan, if you get that $10,000 advance, it's a complete grant. It's you don't have to pay it back. Um, it's a complete grant. So, and and the rest of the loan is meant to be paid back. Mm -hmm. I understand that right. So, I mean, we can almost think of this as being three parts, right? The, the the PPP program, which is if you have employees, the which basically encourages you to keep keep them employed even if they're less helpful as normal. I don't yeah. know how to say it. Uh, and then the kind of um, SBA loan which you kind of go to on the SBA website, which basically would allow you to get a, a loan. And as I understand, it's like a 1% interest rate or something really low. I think that one is 375. Oh, okay. See, there you go, Michael. You're, you really are on top of these things. It's up to a 30-year amortization. Okay. The, uh, as I understand it. Which, by the way, uh, you know, most investors, if given the opportunity to get a loan at 3% 3, 3 isn't a bad idea. In, uh, <laughs> in the grand scheme of things. Um, and then a separate thing, which is really just, here's 10 grand if you need it. 
and really quick, because I, I know investors will have this. It's your understanding this is this is kind of by operating entity. Yeah, I just watched another webinar last night from uh, Tom Wheelwright, and he, you know, the Rich Dad Advisor, the CPA, he said the ten thousand dollars is a grant, and you can apply for this in each one of your operating businesses. So that's what I did. That's great. Do you see any caveats to that? So if you know, even if you have different operating entities, but they're all owned by the same person or any of that kind of stuff. Case with us. Do you have to have different checking and savings accounts per entity or? I mean, I think you, w- I think you would, at least I have different accounts for each entity, different EINs for each entity. Yeah. Um, you know, it's important to remember entities are to be treated like separate people. So, you know, it can get fuzzy in an entrepreneur's mind by the time you have, you know, five, six, eight different entities all interrelating. But hopefully, you know, you're keeping stuff straight. Your bank accounts are separate. As far as legally, if you keep those separations, uh, they're to be treated as separate entities. That's my understanding. It's awesome, man. Um, Who the owners are, the percentages. Even on the PPP, you have to fill out another, you know, an addendum saying what other companies do you have interest in and control? Because they are going to watch. I think it's probably more on the on the PPP. But I'm sure they'll take it into account that, hey, you know, this guy over here in Lancaster applied six different times for different companies. Now, I can justifiably say each one's going to be impacted. I mean, I'm, I didn't make stuff up on this thing. Um, right. I think there is going to be an impact to our different business activities. Yeah, man. It's just uh, it's, it's interesting. Just all the movement is, is fascinating. All the different programs, the, I mean, $2 trillion in the marketplace going somewhere yeah. uh, as investors – it's actually an opportunity to just make sure that you're looking after different, really different companies that you run. And really, in a, you know, a multifamily building is a company, right? And so, um, cool. I want to talk about one more thing. How do you think about the next like two to four weeks? If I could just say one more thing before that, I think it's important for everybody watching this to make changes now to your business, to streamline to cut expenses, to conserve cash. You know, it's important to not react in fear as we talked about at the beginning, but at the same time, there's a certain prudence and wisdom that when there's economic uncertainty coming, don't pretend like everything's rosy in the sky and you keep, you know, going, you know, buying whatever you want to buy as a company, as an individual. You know, I think this is probably going to be shorter lived, but it could also be a long-term economic slump that we, that this triggers, which if that's the case, you know, it's one thing to be fine now and for the next few months based on the reserves that we have. But I would hate to get out, let's say 18 months, 24 months, 30 months, and we're still in some sort of downturn. I don't think we will, but at the same time, I don't want... I don't want to wait three months and then come up short three months from the end of things turning around. You know, if I could have just survived three months more, but then if I think back to the beginning, which is now, I didn't make any changes for the first three months because I wanted to pretend like everything was fine. I think that's a mistake. I think, uh, you know, until some of these programs come through, we're cutting, you know, the improvements that we started on buildings that are unnecessary. Um, we'd been in the middle of a couple projects, you know, 
right above my office building, there's like, you know, primer on the wood. And it's like, well, that's going to stay primer. You know, we're not going to, we're just, we're hunkering down. We're not reacting in fear, but we're also, you know, I don't want to overreact, but I sure as heck don't want to underreact either. Yeah. And I, I just want to chime in one point. And so I, I uh, this is a topic, not for this podcast, but one that I am on a war path to find experts on one thing I have not seen at all in the media in any kind of reporting is, you know, our debt to GDP as a country is literally going to be the highest point ever, not highest point this century, not highest point in the last hundred years, highest point ever, never been higher, Great Depression, World War II, anything, and, and not by a little. I mean, I, as I look at some of the numbers, I think it's going to be, and, and again, this is debt to GDP, so it's not... Inflation has nothing to do with this. This is just a percentage point of the two numbers never been higher and going to keep getting higher. I mean, we, we, we aren't like, it's not getting better anytime soon. Uh, and so when I think about that, I just think, talk about kind of like this being the unknown. To me, that is the big unknown. Like, how do you get out of that as a country to make sure you can actually pay your debts? And, you know, I don't know if anyone knows the answer to that, but if all this money that comes in, if none of it is saved and thought about, everyone just literally lives their life the same way, someone's going to have to pay that debt to GDP over the next three to five years. Because it's going to have to go down. And, uh, you know, you throw on top of that a, a new election cycle coming here in November, which will have a huge impact of how that gets paid down and who pays it down and what's that look like and how fast. That's something that I'm just trying to wrap my head around is what does that look like? in terms of inflation, interest rates, how do, you, how do you get out of that? And I don't mean that's like covered here, but I, I do think, I don't mean to like throw fear on that, but I think you're crazy if you don't take some of this money that's been hitting the system and put it away for the rainy day, which is, is common. <laughs> well, now is the time to conserve as much cash as you can. That's why these, these stimulus programs, you know, we don't, and, you know, I'm reaching out to all my bankers just to start to see what the options are. And I'm saying, you know, we're not in trouble now. We have reserves. But at the same time, there's banks that are saying, hey, you can go interest only for a few months without any negative impact. We'd be fine for a while. You know, we have the reserves. But now's the time to get cash and to conserve it as much as you can, just like you're saying. You know, the debt to GDP, that's kind of like a an individual's debt to their income. So their income goes down, their, their debt skyrockets. Well, the difference between the government and an individual is the government has a printing press and they are using it. So in 2008, when they did all their QEs and printed, you know, they took the money supply from 800 billion to four and a half trillion, we didn't see a lot of Main Street inflation. The capital stayed in the corporations companies and CEOs borrowed those funds, bought back their own stock, increased the, the price to earnings. So the stock market went like this, but there wasn't that much inflation. I think we're going to see a ton more inflation. They're going to print way more money through this debacle than they did back then. And they're putting it into the economy instead of just keeping it for the elite. So I think we have inflation, which if you're not on the right side of inflation, that's a, it's a horrible thing. The people that are going to pay it back are all those savers that have a big savings account, and that's what they've been taught to do. But those of us that have real assets and are using leverage to buy the assets, it's going to 
pour gasoline on our, our on our wealth. And so, you know, I'm going to look to, you know, you're, you're transitioning to what the next weeks and months look like. The number one thing I am with this whole thing is curious to see how it all plays out because it's just a brand new circumstance. I'm fascinated by everything that's going on. Um, a couple of times in our in our communications, you've said the word curious or, or fascinated or interested. I love that. It's an adjective that I don't think I've heard from other people, but I think it's an interesting one. If you take the, just, if you can almost like be a fly on the wall of society and take the just intellectual interest of what is going to happen and be really curious about it, I actually think it kind of de-stresses everything a little bit and it makes it a little bit less painful day to day of all these changes instead says, what is going to happen and, and how do you start to think about it? What would you predict? I, I like that approach of, of just being really curious of what's going on. I think that's awesome. Yeah, cool. It's better to observe than just kind of find yourself in the river of current events moved <laughs> along by whatever the media or your brother thinks should be happening. All right. Know. Let's just, to just kind of play this all out. So how do you, you know, you're an investor next two, four weeks, six weeks, I mean, are you, it sounds kind of ridiculous. Are you looking at any deals? Are you really hunkering down, looking at your own stuff and just optimizing it? You know, do you think this is a time to maybe buy some distressed assets in the future? How, how do you kind of, what are you, what are you doing as an investor these next couple of weeks? Yeah, these times produce opportunities. So I'm, I'm very excited about that. These times produce the largest transfers of wealth. Uh, these times, you know, this is what I think a lot of people wait for to make the moves that are going to, you know, create a future that would not be possible without these events. So I have compassion for the people that are going through stuff. I'm there. I'm here to serve and, you know, get through things with our extended family, tenants and investors and, and everybody included. But I've also been through enough hard times in life to know that in every single circumstance on the other side of the hard time, I'm grateful for the hard time. So why would this be any different? And what if instead of waiting till the other side of the hard time, I was just grateful now. I know it's gonna be good. I know the results of this are gonna be good for those that keep their head on straight and navigate it wisely. So I'm looking at the at the opportunities that are no, I know are gonna come. This is gonna push people over the edge into selling. You know, we have a, a mentoring group where we help people syndicate. And one of our people had been reaching out to this guy month after month. Oh, not ready yet. Not ready yet. Not ready yet. Called last week. I'm ready. <laughs> this was the straw that broke the camel's back on this guy in his, you know, upper 60s. who was just like, hey, if you're still buying, I am now a seller. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think it's going to push people over the edge into buying or excuse me, into selling, now they have the choice. I think in a few months, we're going to see opportunities where people didn't have a choice. You know, they got behind and, and now there's, you know, repossessed assets on the market. Yeah, I mean, whenever you add stress into any kind of economic system, any kind of family situation, yep. uh, stress leads to all sorts of changes in behavior. That's just one thing I've learned. I mean, even watching my own family, as stress gets input, Everyone in the family, from my grandparents to sister to wife to everybody, yeah. deals with things differently. And I think there's, there's one thing that's unequivocal. It's there is a 
unbelievable amount of stress right now on the system. And with that, I mean, I had a call with one of our realtor leaders who is a Christine phenomenal, like just representing clients. And I just, I implored her, look, like we should be having our investors, the investors who still have money yeah. set aside, who maybe didn't just lose, you know, a third of their earnings in the stock market. The ones who have cash set aside, we should be doing everything we can to start getting offers in even places we made offers the last six months because everyone's life has just changed. Yeah. <laughs> like either monetarily or stress or health, something has changed in their life. And when things change, you know, sellers become buyers, buyers become sellers. So yeah, yeah I love that attitude. And I think, and, and look, man, I think you said it right, which is we're really just getting started here. Yeah, you know? part of this is, you know, reevaluating every couple of weeks, every 30 days, you know, that's with the, the very successful investors that I've talked to, that theme has come up again and again, you know, that it's, it's too soon to make major moves. I mean, there's deals that you come across where the fundamentals are just too beautiful to not pull the trigger on. But as far as, you know, opening up both barrels on acquisition, it's definitely not the time for that. Just because we have a little blip that lasted three weeks doesn't mean, you know, we go out and buy up the world. It's a time to sit back, watch what happens every 30 days, reevaluate. But the opportunities will come. Cool, man. Well, Michael, look, man, this is awesome. Tom, great stuff. I'm sure our listeners are going to find this really fascinating. If people want to reach out to you just to throw some ideas off you, you're always a wealth of info. What, what's a good way to kind of uh, get you? So Facebook, you know, I'm on Facebook. Email would be michael at investelevate.com. Um, just spelled out, spelled out as if there's any numbers. Investelevate.com. Uh, <laughs> If people want the recording of our discussion that I recorded with our investor group, I'm happy to make that available. Yeah, I'll, I'll have you send that to me, and then we'll put that in the show notes um, in case people want to hear some more words of wisdom of how you're working through everything. I think it's awesome that you're making it all available. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think now's the time to lend a hand to each other, and we're going to remember this time for the rest of our life. So we have an opportunity to put a stake in the ground of our personal character to say, hey, in that situation, I reached out to people, not that you're going to advertise this, but just a moment of personal, something that you can look back to. Hey, I, I stepped up during this time. I didn't cower in the corner and watch uh, somebody said it, uh, Tiger King or whatever that thing is. I thought they were talking about Lion King, the movie that the quarantiners are watching. You know, it's one thing to watch that, but it's another thing to, hey, I stepped up, I, I helped my neighbor, I reached out to the elderly person around the corner, like, you know, do something that you can be proud of and care about each other. It's so easy to get focused on ourselves and our own needs and our own fears and worries. And like you said at the beginning, action. If you don't have anything action to do at your job because you're laid off, take some action to care about somebody beside you that uh, it's going to mean something to. The best thing to end on here is... I mean, I just agree so much is like nothing stresses me out more than just sitting there watching the news. Oh my word. I, 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 I literally, I can't, I can't do it. I long story. I've been staying at my parents' house for the last three weeks. It's a, I won't even get into that, but the whole family's here under one roof. It's a lot of people, a lot of dogs here, the whole, the whole thing. But my mom insists on watching the news every night and, you know, and we'll watch it for like two hours. And, and, and I love my mom to death, but it is so stressful. Their whole intent is to, is to dramatize everything going on. 
number one. But then to me, the worst part is it's not actually helping you any. You're not moving your life forward. Uh, and you can't help others when you're depressed. Like you can't. You can't do anything. Right. And so I would just say for me personally, once I got out of watching news cycles and I got into plan of action every day, moving things forward, whatever it possibly would, was, connecting with our team. And then last thing, last piece of advice I'll just give on this is it's amazing. Like people who, like people that are quarantined, they actually really want an excuse to kind of talk to someone. Hmm. Um, they, they want an excuse to further their business. Yeah. I, people have been more responsive to me the last two weeks than ever. I mean, I, when I text someone or email them and say, hey, can we get on the phone tomorrow? Are you free? Everyone's answer is yes. Everybody's free, you know? I mean, nobody has a meeting. Nobody has a vacation. Everybody's free. I mean, this thing, I texted you about doing this yesterday, and, and here we are. Yeah. You know, so everybody's got a wide open calendar. It's actually a pretty good opportunity to use that to connect with people that maybe you've had a hard time connecting with in the past. Mm -hmm. So good stuff, buddy. Uh, love having you on here. Uh, thanks for joining our Real Estate Hackers show and uh, stay safe, yeah. all right? No, appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. I have one more request. If you like this show, could you just please give us a review on Apple Podcasts? I'd really, really appreciate it so more investors can hear about us. Follow us at Real Estate Hackers on Instagram if you're cool like my wife. And if you have a great real estate hack, hit me up. Maybe we'll get you on this show. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Eric and team are unbelievable. Thanks for all you do for the show. See you soon.